So I'm just going to pray for them before they start. Okay. Father God, we do thank you for Dave and we thank you for Kos. Thank you that they've come to share with us this morning. And I just pray your Holy Spirit will be upon both of them. And uh, whatever they say or whatever they sing and share, Lord, that it will speak to our hearts and that we'll go away from here uh, more challenged, more provoked, uh, knowing you better. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pauline. And thank you, everyone, for your welcome. And uh, Pauline said to me earlier on, she said, look, James is away. I'm in charge. You can, you can speak for as long as you want. <laughs> I promise we'll, we'll be done by 12. And unless... You know, there's a revival breaks out and all that kind of stuff. And it's lovely to be with you. It's lovely to, to actually chat to some people who are new to Rizan since I was here last. And, um, and that, that's a wonderful thing as well. And, and I, I guess um, it's lovely to be with you in worship as well and to really sense the presence of God here. And for, for myself, um, I'm, I'm really grateful that Coase has come with me today. Coase is a, a colleague of mine. He was our worship pastor for a long time at Woodies. He's now a worship consultant, as well as many other things that he does in the city. And both Coase and myself have got a real interest and heart for what God's doing in Bristol, actually. And, and to feel a sense of partnership with, with you in this part of Bristol, which is a growing part of Bristol, isn't it? There's houses spring up everywhere, there's people moving into the neighbourhood, and it's such a strategic position Resound has here, just on the edge of the ring road, where you can perhaps be a, a bit of a, of a resource for, for, the, for this whole area of, of the city. And, and I really pray that for you guys, that you'd continue to grow into the destiny that, that God has for you, because one of the things that I believe is that God has more for us than we've yet discovered. Whatever age and stage we're at, God is the God of more, always. I know that as a church, part of your inheritance is uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. That you're, you're a church that has been kind of alive to, birthed in, moves of God's Holy Spirit. And that many of you are really comfortable with, with the idea of the Holy Spirit working in your lives. Is that, is that true? It's interesting, isn't it? Because, because for, for many people in our world, the Holy Spirit is a bit mysterious. You probably remember, remember the story of the Apostle Paul. When he went to a church in Ephesus, a little gathering in Acts chapter 19, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And, and for many people in the wider world, you can talk about God and they'll get you. They can talk about Jesus and they can understand you and, and they'll, they'll know about Jesus even if it's remotely. But if you talk about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, they'll think, what, what's, what's that all about? Where, where are you coming from? And yet one of the key things that the New Testament tells us that Jesus came to do was to baptise people with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in each of the four Gospels, when Jesus is introduced to the world by John the Baptist, and John the Baptist had a job to do, which was to prepare the way for Jesus to come, wasn't it? Prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist, when he was describing the one who was going to come, each of the Gospels records him saying this, I baptise with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is introduced to the world as the one who's going to baptise in the Holy Spirit. And then in, in the book of Acts, when Jesus is about to leave planet Earth, what does he say to his disciples before he goes? Acts chapter 1, in a few days you'll be baptised in the Holy Spirit. They have all kinds of questions for Jesus. You know, when's the kingdom going to come to Israel? What's going on? Jesus said, it's not for you, know, for you to know the times and seasons, but in a few days, you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And my conviction is that baptism in the Spirit 
is something for everybody to enjoy, everyone to experience. It's part of that initiation into, the, into what it means to be a Christian. Because honestly and truly, you can't do the Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit. Has anyone ever tried to do the, the Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. It gets tiring, doesn't it? To be honest, I think Nietzsche, Nietzsche was a pastor's kid, and I think he tried to do Christianity without the Holy Spirit, which is why he got so disillusioned. Some of the great men and women of history, Leo Tolstoy, you know, he, he loved the Sermon of the Mount, tried to put it into practice, couldn't do it. Kept having affairs with his servant women. Not helpful. You know, but basically, he, he, he couldn't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And we are men and women, young people, who have been designed to be full of the Holy Spirit. Just like those light bulbs up there are designed to have electricity go through them. To be honestly, if you're a light bulb, it's really difficult to shine unless you've got power. You know, you say, I'm designed for this, but it's just not working. Why not? Because you haven't got power. So that's what we're going to reflect on a little bit today. We're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. And, um, but before we do that, I'm going to hand over to, to Coast. And I'd just love Coast just to bring us uh, a, a song, just to help us kind of be, be um, I suppose, a prophetic bit of sense of what's God saying to us in, in, in this season that we're in right now. Thanks for um, putting that with me. Uh, Dave asked me to um, do something, and I wasn't sure about it, because um, as I came up here, I was just trying to ask God a little bit about what what to do this morning and things, uh, and I felt a few things, um, and given the, the breadth of what we're kind of like talking about this, this morning and some of the things that have already been shared, uh, I just want to talk a little bit, um, and it will lead into what we're going to do next, the song I'm about to do next. So f- throughout my own life, I've felt uh, different stages of my own life have had their own challenges. When I, when I uh, chose to get baptised, actually, I potentially had to make it, I, I made a big decision and it could have meant separation from my entire family. Um, that was like a massive step of faith for me when, um, when uh, relationships broke down and when friends... Friends died um, of suicide and of other causes. Like there was a a question in my head, and like, is God dead? God didn't seem to be around in those times. Um, so in in our in our own drynesses, and even in the dryness that seems in kind of prevalent in society at the moment, the cracks can kind of sometimes show. And I. I thought there was a bit of a picture, uh, and I kind of just thought about that a little bit. And it was a picture of uh, a river, and it, it was a river that was flowing, but there was also, God showed, like, the dryness of other parts of the land that was around. Uh, and then uh, Isaiah 44.3 came along. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offering and my blessing on your descendants. And Clearly, Dave's going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, and I need God's Spirit every day to clean my wounds, to restore my thirsts, and to kind of soothe the cracks in my skin. Um, but it's hard, isn't it? Because like John 3, 8 says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So there is a bit of a mystery around kind of 
faith and our journeys within that. And uh, I guess this, this song is a little bit of a a little bit of a, a, a thing around that. It, it talks about needing God's presence and being led by God. Thy cross be 
closing eyes shine One of the things that God wants to say to all of us is the Holy Spirit who is with you will be in you. And one of the changes that Jesus inaugurated when he brought his message into the world and when he died and rose again and ascended to be with the Father was a promise that the Holy Spirit who'd been around in the world because the Holy Spirit is always making God's will happen on earth as it is in heaven. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's like God's executive arm. He's there in creation. He's there anointing the prophets and kings in the Old Testament. He's there resting on Jesus himself, the Spirit-filled man. But Jesus says to his disciples, who've tasted the Holy Spirit already, he says to them, this Holy Spirit who is with you will be in you. And he calls the Holy Spirit the Comforter, the Presence of God. And just even through that song that that Coast brought, that familiar hymn, really delivered really powerfully for us, whatever age and stage we're in, whatever life brings, God's promise is, I will be with you. And actually there's more. There's more for us even in the last stages of our life, if you like, because what God wants to open up is, is eternity for us, and to give us as much of a taste of that on earth as we can handle. But we've, we've got a future and a hope in him. So I want to just think about some of the things the Holy Spirit does today and what, what he wants to give to you here at Resound. And, and so the first thing is that he is a comforter. That's how Jesus calls him in, in, in John's Gospel. He's describing the one who's going to come. It's better for you if I go, because if I leave, then the Father will give you another comforter to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit who is with you will be in you. Who, who needs comfort today in the room? Honestly, if you just, just put your hand up. You know that life, life brings pain, doesn't it? It brings our own pain as we struggle with our, our vulnerabilities and our physical aches and pains and our insecurities and anxieties. It also brings pain when we empathise with the pain of other people, our children, our friends, those who are going through a hard time. And, and, and actually, Jesus himself said, in this world you'll have trouble. Because the world is a troubled place. And actually, if we're living for Jesus, we may encounter pain. And the human tendency when we experience pain is to try and harden up so we don't feel the pain anymore. But when we look at Jesus, who was a spirit-filled man, we see Jesus, the, the one who wept over pain, who wept over Jerusalem, who wept at the grave of Lazarus, who's not a stranger to pain, who doesn't harden himself in pain, but actually wants to come and bring a deeper intimacy and a comfort 
than we can yet know. So I'm just going to pray for people who are in pain right now and who need the comforter. And if you just want to just lift your hand to God, we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come today and visit you with his nearness and his warmth. Father God, I'm praying today for these people in the room who, like me, are saying, we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit with us. And I thank you, God, that your promise is you never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, sometimes our pain is so noisy, it feels as if you have left us. Because our our bodies and our, our emotions are screaming so loudly, we can't hear the whisper of your love. But today I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak your comfort and bring your presence to those of us who are lifting our hands to you now. Lord, be our comforter in time of need, in Jesus' name. Amen. Second thing that the Holy Spirit loves to give to people is authority. Now, I don't know how much authority you think you've got. As of, again, I'm going to be. I'm grateful for your feedback. Who kind of feels quite bold and confident about who they are as a person right now? Well done. That's fantastic. And, and I wonder, you know, where does our authority and confidence come from? You know, there was a time when the disciples felt very confident and bold, and they made some quite big assertions. They said, you know, we're, we're going to die with you, Jesus, if necessary. You know, we're, we're never going to abandon you. They felt really confident because they'd, they'd seen God at work in their lives, and they'd, they'd driven out demons, they'd healed the sick, they'd proclaimed God's word, and they thought, yeah, it's going great. When it came to the crunch, when Jesus was captured in the garden and one of them had denied, had, had betrayed Jesus. And in that moment of crisis, they ran away. And Peter, you know, the, the kind of chief disciple, you know, the, the most gung-ho of them all, you know, he denied Jesus three times and wept in, in, in shame and regret. And on the first Easter Sunday morning, the remaining 11 disciples were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. First Easter, how much authority did they have? Their authority was at rock bottom because what they'd been basing their authority on was their ability to do what they could do. Their authority was based on themselves. And on that first Easter in John 20, Jesus appears in the room. There behind locked doors, he just appears, he's there. And he says, peace be with you. And he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. Just want you to, to just stop and reflect on those words. It's authority, isn't it? Do you remember when Jesus, early in his ministry, encountered a paralyzed man who was lowered through a roof by four of his friends? And Jesus looked at this paralyzed man and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And the, the, the religious leaders who were watching said, who can forgive sins except God alone? Where does this man get his authority from? You know, they were really indignant. Because that, that's kind of like divine level authority. And now Jesus is giving that to his disciples, whose own personal authority was at rock bottom, whose own trustworthiness was at rock bottom. He's breathing on them and said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. And the reason he's giving them that authority by the Spirit was because it no longer rests on their ability to do what they can do. It rests on God's ability to do what only he can do through them. It's 
received the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Because that, that's Jesus. Do you know when, when Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit at his baptism, do you know what, uh, the, the Gospels record the Spirit came upon him like a dove. And um, at, from that moment on, Jesus ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit. And people all the time said, where does he get his authority from? Where does he get his authority? That was the hallmark of what they saw in him. Now they're going to see it in these followers of Jesus. What happens is the disciples, they wait in Jerusalem because as well as giving authority, God loves to give power. Now actually authority and power belong together, don't they? If you've got authority, you need some power to back it up when authority is questioned. If you're a policeman and you use your authority to say, stop in the name of the law. If someone doesn't stop, you need a bit of power. And it might be your power, you grab hold of them by the scruff of the neck. And if they resist, you might be on the radio and calling for more power so that you've got more people to restrain that individual and cart them off to the, to the cells. As has happened to some of you many times, I can, I can tell. You're saying, yeah. But... Um, Authority and power belong together. That's why in Luke 4, when Jesus heals that paralyzed man, because they say, so you'll know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, pick up your mat and walk. There's power. It backs up the authority. Now the disciples, they've been given a commission by Jesus to give them huge authority. They've been given a huge job to do. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's a big job, isn't it? But, he, but Jesus, as well as saying go, says stay. Go into all the world, but stay in Jerusalem until you've clothed, been clothed with power from on high. That's just in the last chapter of Luke's Gospel, Jesus says that. Stay till you're clothed with power from on high. Because I've given you the authority, but you're also going to need the power. What happens is, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, they're all together in one place. And this time, they have an encounter with Jesus. It's a bit like behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. Jesus is there in the midst, gentle breath, authority. Here they are now, all in one place, in the upper room. This time, it's not with gentle breath. It's like a mighty rushing wind. It's like a powerful breath. And it's like with tongues of fire, and they're all filled with the Spirit. They spoke the word of God, and they're out, spilling out the streets, speaking in other languages, proclaiming the name of Jesus in front of a crowd that previously they'd been afraid of. And people are asking all kinds of questions. What's going on? What is this? And some of them are mocking and laughing. And Peter, this time, full of the Holy Spirit, stands up and says, this is that which was promised by the prophet Joel. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. My men servants and maid servants. It's a promise of a new age of the Spirit that's coming. And this is what's happened to us. And, there, and he goes on to explain about the death of Jesus. He says, they're cut with heart. They said, what can we do? He says to them, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children's children, for all those who are far off, all who the Lord will call. In other words, we're all included in that promise. You see, that destiny that was there for those first Christians was to usher in something that's going to be normal for every believer from now on. And it's to have the comforter with us in our troubles. It's going to have authority so that we'll know who we are, because it's not based on us. It's based on who he is working in us. And it's having power to do the things that we're called to do.
And my sense for Resound Christian Fellowship over in Black Horse, God certainly wants to be your comforter. He also wants to give you a real sense of spiritual authority about who you are in him. And you can look at yourself and, and, and honestly, quite often we disqualify ourselves from Christian ministry because we look at us and think, well, what can I do? Sometimes we look at our, our lives and think, what have I done? Maybe we're all too conscious of failures. Maybe failures in a relationship, maybe in a broken marriage. Maybe it's, it's a moral failure in our own life. Maybe it's our own fears and maybe it's our lack of knowledge. I don't know enough. Maybe a whole range of things that could disqualify us. In the Bible, was that me? Did I just turn myself off? <laughs> People have done this to me on purpose. <laughs> anyway, um, Pauline, was that you? <laughs> People were always disqualifying themselves, weren't they? Gideon, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just too young. Saul, I'm just the, 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 the smallest tribe of the Benjamites. You know, Moses, I can't speak. It's never about who we are. It's all about who he is. Because God's strength is made perfect in, in weakness. If we're going to reveal who God is, it's going to be God using ordinary, vulnerable human beings to show what he's like and to show that it's all about him. It's not about us. Because if it was superstars, then we'd say, well, it's great for them, but I'm not one of those. But if it's ordinary people revealing the extraordinary God, then that's good news for everyone, isn't it? So the, the authority and the power, it doesn't rest on the competence or the goodness or the spiritual maturity of the disciples. It rests on who he is. One of the things that I really love about um, the, the book of Acts is, and, and the whole New Testament actually, is how inclusive it is. There was a time, the Old Testament days, where the Holy Spirit was working, in a, and it was for the few, and it was temporary. It was the, you know, the Spirit would come upon a great leader like Samson. The Spirit would come upon a prophet like Isaiah. The Spirit would anoint a king like David or Saul. Special people for a special job to get God's will done along the journey of God's salvation story. But the time that was being prophesied about, the time that they were looking forward to, is a time when it would be for everyone. For everyone. And when it happens on the day of Pentecost, it is everyone. There's 120 people in the room, men, women, old, young, some of them are the disciples, some of them are just the, the, the other followers. All of them get the Spirit. It's not discriminating. Oh, the Spirit's going to rest on John and James, but not on Mary and Salome and those women. It's on everyone. And all the way through the, the, the book of Acts, this keeps tracking. The Holy Spirit's for everyone. And so the expectation for these believers is everyone gets the Spirit like we've had it. It's for you, your children's children, all those who are far off, all who the Lord will call, even the people in Black Horse. It's for them too. Envisaged right back there. And so when the, the gospel spreads out, if people haven't received the Spirit, then the, the, the apostle said there's something wrong. It's not we accept that because we're an apostle, we get it, and so the, 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 you know, the rank and file don't get what we've got. No, not at all. So when 
Philip goes to preach in the, the neighboring country of Samaria and goes to a town there and proclaims the gospel. And people believe and are baptized but haven't received the Spirit. The church says, oh, there's something wrong here. They're meant to have got what we've got because that's what Jesus promised. So they send Peter and James down from Jerusalem and they lay hands on them and they're filled with the Spirit. And it's powerful. It's so powerful that Simon Magus, the local magician who's also become a believer, says, God, that's powerful. That's more powerful than I can do. Can I pay you so you can teach me how to do that? It's a power encounter. The first Gentile Christians, Acts chapter 10. There's Peter. and He's, he's been welcomed into the house of a centurion and his family, and God sets something up. Peter preaches them. The Holy Spirit falls, and they start to speak in tongues. And Peter says, gosh, we better baptize them quick, because they've got it in the wrong order. And, and, and they, they baptize them, and, and they've had the same Pentecost. I've already quoted you. Here's the Apostle Paul. He arrives in Ephesus. Here's a group of believers. They've been taught um, by Apollos. They, they know about Jesus, but they don't know enough, really, because he says, did you receive the Spirit? No, we didn't receive the Spirit. He, when he baptizes them and lays hands on them, they all speak in tongues. They have their own Pentecost. And by the way, this isn't a one-off Pentecost. This is an ongoing, living in the Spirit, going on being filled with the Spirit Pentecost. Because when we see what happens in Acts 2, it wasn't that we look back and think, oh, there was a time when I was filled with the Spirit. God did something then. It's meant to be an ongoing reality. It's meant to be a river that flows from our hearts. When Jesus talks about the Spirit, he talks about it like a river. John 7, out of your bellies, out of your innermost being, out of your gut, where you feel stuff, out of that place, I'm going to release my Spirit, like a spring of living water that doesn't fail, because you need to go on being full of the Holy Spirit. So again, if you track through the book of Acts, People are being filled with the Spirit in an ongoing way. And they do stuff. Paul will stand up and says, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, did. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said. It's an ongoing reality of being filled. In Acts chapter 4, when the, when the, 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 the early church had been threatened and they possibly told not to preach, they have a prayer meeting and they, they call on the name of the Lord and they say, stretch out your hands in signs and wonders. And it says the place where their meeting was shaken, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to overemphasize the work of the Holy Spirit. You can overemphasize one aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit. You might overmajor on miracles but, and, and ignore the fruit of the Spirit <laughs> or some of the other aspects of the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit teaches us to pray with growing deeper than words, or the Holy Spirit who cries out, our Father, helps us know who we are. So you can maybe overemphasize one aspect of the Holy Spirit, but you can't overemphasize the importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, because the promises for everyone, and the promises for an ongoing fullness, and it's vital because we can't do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Because the Christian life is not based on us, it's based on him working in us and through us. How generous do you think God is? Okay, boundless, right. More generous than, who's the most generous person you know? Susan. All right, Susan, come out here. (laughs) 
If you had a friend who needed help, Susan, you might ask, Susan, could you help? Like she's done today, just responded. And, and just generous with her time, generous with her money. God's more generous than Susan. So when you think, is God going to bless me? Well, what would Susan do? Well, God's going to do even more than that. I'm just going to pray for you a moment, Susan. Well, I want to thank you for Susan. I want to thank you that in this church, she's a bit of a signpost. Not to herself, actually, but to you. A bit of a signpost for what it means to be a Christian who knows the love of God and wants to give that away. And I pray, God, that you'd empower her witness and that many people would see, not just Susan, but see the God who fills Susan and uses her. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Susan. So, most of us are generous to our kids, aren't they? You know, I've got five children, one grandchild. This week, I've been helping my daughter and her husband uh, just to, to, to move into a house, which we, we bought. It belonged to a lady who died age 102. It was not on the gas grid. It had lead piping. It needed rewiring. Um, it, had need, it had been last decorated in like the 1970s. And uh, we had to move them in by this Saturday. And I've been working really hard. I've been digging trenches and sanding floors and painting walls. And I do it because I love my kids. And I'm generous to them. God loves my children more than I do. And in fact, when Jesus talks to, to people about the Spirit in Luke 11, he says, Which of you fathers, if your son would ask him for a fish, would give him a snake? As for bread, we'll give them a scorpion. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is more generous than the most loving parent towards their children. And he wants to give you good gifts. This is why I'm coming into land. Have I, have I run over time? By about... All right. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. You know that. <laughs> oh, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, coming to that, the Holy Spirit gives comfort, the Holy Spirit gives authority, the Holy Spirit gives power, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. And one of the things that the Bible, the New Testament is full of is lists of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And some of those gifts are gifts that we have when God made us like in Romans 12, so we, we kind of offer them back to God and they become spiritual because I may be a leader. You know, I've got that wherever I am, I'm leading, but I'm going to offer my body as a living sacrifice to God, lay it down, not think too highly of myself. Then I get to pick up a gift and it could be useful because it doesn't point to me anymore, it points to him. And that's, the, the, that's when a natural gift becomes a spiritual gift is when you lay it down, give it back to God and pick it up so that it points to him, not to you. But there are also supernatural gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12 gives a really long list of those things. And those are called manifestations of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they're the Holy Spirit working through people. And they're, they're, they're really supernatural things. They're things that you can't do in your own strength. Healing is one of them. You can't heal anybody unless God does it. Prophecy is one of them. You, you can't just pluck a prophecy out of the air. It has to be God give you revelation. Wisdom. You can't just be wise. Now, 
You may find that you're really fluent in those things because God keeps giving you those gifts. But they are manifestations of the Spirit. And that could happen to anyone in this room because we're told to desire and seek those things. It's not like, oh, I've never seen someone healed, so I haven't got the gift of healing. Actually, you could ask for it. God loves to give gifts generously. And um, as, as, I, as I come into land, having given you a, a lightning talk through some of the work of the Holy Spirit, the reason I'm, I'm doing that is we, we sense, I think, around the country and in the city and in our own church, and maybe here in Rizan too, that the Holy Spirit is being poured out on the church. And he's got more that he wants to do. In our own setting uh, at Woodies, we've seen some amazing healings recently. We've also seen numbers of people give their lives to Jesus. We've also just sensed in our worship the warmth of the nearness of God. And we've just hosted a, um, a, a conference for, for New Wine this, this last week. And, and again, people from all over our region, from Cornwall up to Worcestershire and Oxford. And, and again, around the room, and, and people coming in from Wolverhampton and like, the National New Wine leadership. And yeah, kind of sense, we, we sense God's on the move. We sense that there is a bit of a, of a wave of the Spirit. That, and that, that's a sovereign dynamic of that. But, we, but the reason I'm just kind of sharing this stuff and, is we just want to be open to what God wants to give us today, and he's generous. So I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment. Well, and, and, and if you would like, again, just more of the Holy Spirit today, shall we just lift our hands to him and just say, Holy Spirit, fill me again. If you're able, why don't you stand, actually? And, and, and Robbie's going to come out and lead us in worship as we, as we come to a close. But um, just where we are, Lord God. The God who's generous, more generous than we are. The God who knows us. Knows our need. The God who comes with power from on high. The God who comes to help us know who we are in Christ Jesus. The God who comes with gifts of the Holy Spirit. Will you come now in this place? Will you speak to your church? Will you touch us in, in the ways that we need to be touched? Will you refresh the hearts of the saints, God? I'm just going to just say a prayer in, in, in tongues. I'm saying to you, you've not denied my name. You've kept faithful to me. You've kept a faithful witness and a faithful watch. And I want you to know that I'm faithful to you and I'm watching over you. I hear your cries. Sending you my blessing. As we go back in, into worship, um, I'd just love to pray with, with some people and I, I guess maybe... I don't know quite how you, how you do ministry here, but what I'd love to do is just wander around and, and just ask for permission just to pray for one or two people that I, I see around the room while we're worshipping. But is that all right? But I'll hand back to you guys and 
maybe get inv invite Casey to join me in that. And, and I guess you've got we've probably got people who'll do that if, if need be.